the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now I present to you the one, the only Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. Time to shine today. And if you really want to learn how to level up your life, you should be listening to the Rapid Results podcast with my awesome sauce, good friend, Andrew Weiss. Let's level up. Woo! All right. Thank you, Scott, for the awesome introduction. That was so fun. And in case you all haven't noticed, there's a reason why I brought Scott Ferguson on today. He's one of the most high energy, enthusiastic, good vibes, love for everybody person. And I'm like, I got to bring this guy on my show. And so per usual, Scott, tell us what is the biggest, most badass professional accomplishment you're most proud of? Professional accomplishment would have been in 2003 in Michigan. I closed 601 real estate transactions in a year. So you put that down to how many a day and it was crazy year. But at that time, it was like if you had a pulse and you told people you made so much money, they were just giving away loans. So it was, it was easy to do that. And the interest rates were historically low at the time. Believe it or not, they were 6% and they're historic <laughs> low then. So there's a lot of action and I, I had a lot of fun. But of course, I didn't listen to my mentors about protecting money. So I ended up losing it all anyway. So, But that's probably you know one-off. That's probably my most proud but also shameful moment as well. Oh my gosh. Uh, really talking about the roller coaster of any entrepreneur or business yeah. owner is just like making it to the top and then losing it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so tell us about the journey of how you got, obviously you have military experience in the Navy, but how'd you get involved in real estate? And then I, obviously you shifted to having a coaching business, a speaking business, yeah. you're on the radio. How did this all start? Tell us about that journey. You know, it goes back to nineteen. It, it seriously goes back to nineteen seventy-two. I was born fifty years old this year. Ooh. My lady will tell you I don't act it more like twelve, but that's okay. <laughs> and seriously, though, Andrew, uh, thank you for having me on, brother. This is a, oh, it's an honor. What you do for people, level them up and whatnot. And and you're a young buck, you know, compared to me. So I'm just so grateful that the future is in people's hands like yourself. But I was born during the Vietnam War. My father was American. My mother was Filipino. My dad knocked her up. He was just a sailor or a soldier that was in the Philippines, knocked her up and then left. And I was told that he had died. But uh, there's another story to that on down the road. But anyways, she gave birth to me. But at the time, mixed breed bastard male children were literally taken from their mothers and shipped to Spain because Spain controls the Philippine Islands. And the reason why that was done is, you know, I'm 6'1". I go about 2'6". I'm pretty big dude, pretty well put together. If you had... Uh, you know, tens of thousands of these kids growing up there, the average Filipino man is about five, four, five, five. They're afraid of a physical takeover, although it probably mm-hmm. would have never happened. But that's what they're afraid of. So they were shipping the bastard children out. But I would happen to have a, a couple that was there in the Air Force that were looking. They had two children. They wanted to adopt a child. So they immediately she gave birth to me, gave them to this people who were going to be my parents. And the woman that was going to adopt me, her father got sick. And so I got a temporary passport, which I still have in my possession, the little time, and I was a little guy, to go back to the United States. And, well, when her father died and she couldn't handle raising another child, so she went schizophrenic. So I was kind of dropped out of an orphanage, right? So I'm hanging out there in the orphanage, you know, and I ended up getting adopted by who I call my mom and dad now. Mm-hmm. And they adopted me. They did their best at raising me. My father, he's my best friend in the world. If I ride or die. But at the time, he was a Vietnam vet and he was a heavy drinker. And so mm-hmm. he couldn't really raise me. They divorced by the time I was four years old. He decided, you know, to have me live with different families the whole time. So I grew up with this huge, huge sense of abandonment. And I played the victim a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so... I went through high school, excelled at sports, but not academia. So any scholarships that I would have been offered, they really didn't want anybody with a 1.8 grade point average. So it was like, here I yeah. am. So the military was there. My dad's like, you're not going to live here for free, this and that. And of course, you know, being a young teenager, you know, we know everything. So like whatever, dad. So I literally ended up joining the military. 
and, and found my first real source of family. You know, your ride or die, some people that are there for you, life, death, hard target situations, whatever you want to call it. And, and I did my six years in the military and I got out and I was back to where I was before. And so, but I could never work for anybody because you have to answer to somebody 24 hours a day, 365, 66 days a year in the military. So but I started seeing these like real estate things. You know, I got a bartending job, seeing these realtors coming in and nice clothes, nice cars. And they're just like, I mean, you have the personality to be a great agent. So I joined and I just excelled immediately because I had so much rejection in my life before that if someone told me, no, I didn't care. I, when I'd fail, I failed forward. I didn't care. And so I built a very substantial business in the state of Michigan and then had closed a lot, a lot of business. And my mentors, I was luckily able to be mentored by just fantastic people. And But they told me, watch your money, Fergie, watch your money. And I never did. And then in mm-hmm. 08, 09, when the market crashed, I kind of lost everything and literally was homeless uh, because, you know, my ex-wife who had a house, she was letting me stay at for free. She's like, I have to rent it out. So I lived with my dog, a Rhodesian Ridgeback, Rhodey, in my car only for like three days. What happened is wow. uh, a family was like, hey, we want you to list our house. Uh, we're moving to Florida. So I listed their house, put it on the market. And without telling them, me and Rhodey lived there. And we took the money from the sale of that house and, and rented an apartment. Wow. It just started really catching on. But the thing that I'm leaving out is that while building and printing all that money, I was very selfish and self-serving. Now, selfish does not mean anything bad. Uh, If you look at a dictionary, just saying you're putting yourself first so you can take care of others. That's not I was very just I was a I was a douchebag. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I didn't care what anybody did. I showed up at family reunions and, and, you know, 50, 60, $100,000 cars thinking I'm better than everybody. Lost everything. And I could have went to one of my family members. They would have took care of me, but I was too ashamed. Right. Mm -hmm. I just kind of fell on my face. And then, oh, nine, my little brother, Tommy, killed himself. So it just threw me into a spiral. And then in 10, we get back to where we listed that one property. And I went to the library at the time to kill time. Cause I had a place to keep my dog where yeah. you know, I could leave him at the library. And this guy handed me a book, said, you should read this it's called the traveler's gift by Andy Andrews. Fantastic mm-hmm. book, book changed my life in a nutshell. It's a guy that goes, he loses his job. His daughter's sick, terminal illness. He's like, Hey, if I kill myself, they'll get the insurance money and everything. It would be good. So he runs his car into a tree and he thinks he's dead, but he wakes up in 1945 and Harry Truman, give him hell Harry Truman's office the day before we dropped the bomb on, Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. Mm-hmm. And he learned a lesson about responsibility. And then he meets like King Solomon for wisdom and he meets Anne Frank for happiness. Mm-hmm. And that book really shifted my vision of, Hey man, it's not, everything's about you. You can get a lot further in life helping others. And so that's when the marketed crash, a lot of people were losing their houses and I put a full force focus on helping them save their house, save their credit, getting them to another house. And I did that. And I closed even more than I did in 2003 by helping people, you know, get what they needed. And that just shifted everything. And that was, again, 2009, 2010. And that's when I had really launched Time to Shine Today and just started really helping people level up, Andrew. And I'm way more interested in your story than telling mine. That's why I have a hard time coming on. No, you're good. You know, with, with telling my story. And it's nothing that I'm ashamed of. It's just I love to hear other people's stories. You know, and no, like when I have you on, I can't wait to hear. Yes, so no, that's just kind 100%. of that's the story. And there is one kicker to the story. When my mom gave birth to me, she kept a twin sister. Like I ended up reconnecting with her in 2005. What? And, that's so and this cool. Is, this is even a, another kicker that I just found out a year ago. My biological father, who they thought who said got killed in Vietnam, didn't die until 2019. And I have a ton of family on that side. So, what? you know, and I found all this out through spitting in a cup, the 23 and me kind of thing. So, wow. Um, it was, yeah, it's, it's been a heck of a journey. It's been, a, you know, a lot of fun. I, I Would I change a few things? Absolutely. Everyone says I wouldn't change thing. I would change a few things of what I did to people to hurt them. But everything else, the experience was fantastic. So you have like. 10 families. <laughs> I know, right? I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. And, you got the uh, biological family, the first adopt family, the yeah. second adopt family, the military <laughs> family, your wife family. 
Um, I'm sure I'm leaving five families out, but well, you, get, you know, you have a jujitsu family, you have a coaching family, a podcasting family. So yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I have families like all over the place. Absolutely. Oh, that's super awesome. So yeah. So tell us with your relationship with your biological mother, what, what's that currently like, or what's that been like? I'm curious about that. Yeah. 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 Thanks for asking. She ended up passing away before I even met her. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, other than coming out of her, <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah. she had passed yeah. away, but she had told the family that I had, that she had a secret and that's what they told her. No one even knew. And she died suddenly of a brain aneurysm. So, you know, I guess I was the seeker. That's what they, everyone's put to bed, that whole thought of secret. So it was a, uh, it's somebody that I I have pictures of now. And I actually have a picture of her pregnant with me and Jovi, my twin. Um, Yeah. So it's a pretty cool situation that I have family just all over the place. Literally that I have, the same blood run in my veins because, you know, I look at people like my lady, Susan, and, you know, she's got four kids. I'm like, that is you. That is a part. You made that. And I've never experienced really meeting somebody that made me. And it was so cool to meet somebody with a heartbeat that carried the blood, the same mm-hmm. bloodline, you know, so mm-hmm. people take that for granted. You know, that man, it's like, that's why I say, look at your parents and hug them, you know, yeah. and my Adopted parents did what they felt was their best with me. And, you know, me and my mom, before she passed away in 19, you know, we were really good friends, too. You know, they didn't do too much parenting, but they did their best. And I love them for it. Yeah. Well, and speaking of family and hugs, you know, I do feel like it is an unfortunate big issue. But it's tricky because, you know, I'm in the Twitter space a lot. And a lot of people are like, oh, people are only successful because they asked their family for help. But you're like, well, my life would have been better if I had asked my family for help, but I didn't because I was too ashamed. And so I'm curious your thoughts on asking your family for help and what your advice is to people about that and your perspectives on that. Oh, absolutely. Ask them, you know, their family They're That's one thing about family is that they love you no matter what. To an extent, I guess you could say, but <laughs> yeah. love you no matter what. As time went on and I lost stuff, you know, I made amends with my dad, you know, and I'm like, I'm running on four ball tires and he literally, you know, he gave me some money. And thing is, he's like, that's one of the greatest joys I ever had was to be able to give you something because I felt that I failed you earlier in life. Mm. That when you came to me and asked for something, it felt good. And I'm like, man, you know, so now I hope that, you know, my goddaughter, Kelsey, you know, she comes to me or, you know, other people, you know, come to me because you start making a little money and then the theory of relativity happens. You know, you make money, everyone's your relative, right? They come to you, right? But at the same time, you know, I'm also love to give, give, give until it hurts so good. And if I can help somebody out that's genuinely in need, I'm not somebody that's just a handout guy. Sorry, man. Yeah. I fought for this country to give you opportunity to go get your own. But to stay close with family, I really, really push people, my clients, everybody really have that close knit family because, you know, that they're the people that really love you, no matter how they show it. And tell us, how do you overcome the guilt of uh, accepting things from family? And and maybe it's just the space that I, I read about, you know. The classic example right now is Jeff Bezos getting crucified. Like, oh, he's only successful because he got a $300,000 loan from his family. But he also more than a thousand X that $300,000 yeah. loan. For those people who know they have resources for their family, who know they need to help their family, what would you tell them to help prevent guilt from getting help from their family, essentially? Don't have it. You know, I mean, if the family is willing to help, you know, people do come to me because of my the position I'm in and I'm able to help. But if you're going to go to the family for help and have no guilt, have a plan with what you're mm-hmm. going with. You know, that's what I tell people, you know, they want to have a meeting with me to invest in something or to help them out. And I'm just like, have an agenda ready, you know, send it mm-hmm. to me, even if it's a two line thing, email. So I know what I'm coming into. So we are going to approach that, have the plan. If not, I'm not going to part with something that I worked my arse off to earn to give to you with no plan for it. And there's people out there that really need it. And I have no problem parting with that. You know, I'm really big on children awaiting parents because I'm adopted. You know, so I donate a lot to children awaiting parents. And they're usually the kids that are mentally handicapped, unadoptable. So I give a lot. 
you know, to them and also St. Jude's. And those are the people, you know, that I don't even think twice, but anybody else or any other federation or company or whatever, you know, they come to me, I, I do want to see a plan. And so if you're in a position where you need to go to your family, have a plan, you know, mm-hmm. and if it's a, you, they want it to be paid back, have a plan for that. You know, it's, yeah. it's just, just have it and, and stick to it and put it in ink. And so you have that as a reminder and they will too, to show you, you owe me money. Yeah. Yeah. It's a loan. So yeah, I mean, don't have guilt, don't have guilt. And I mean, if you have the wherewithal to take care of yourself, do that before you approach somebody. But if you're in a pinch, 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 don't be guilty. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and going back to your, your positive attitude, you said that the book was called the, the Time Traveler's the Wife. Traveler's Gift. Yeah. The Traveler's, the traveler's Gift. Gift. Yeah. So would you say that was the pivotal moment yeah. in your life was yeah. reading that book? Bro, yeah, it was the lessons that you taught in there from responsibility. Like even when I coach people, and I'll ask you this, Andrew, if you don't mind me flipping the script here, but what is your definition of responsibility? I'd say it goes back to understanding what you need to do to help yourself and others and doing it. I love it. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. And you'd be coachable with that answer. You know, Mm -hmm. and I I tell them, listen, man, responsibility is nothing more than the ability to respond, right? It's Mm -hmm. rooted right in the word. So something happens to you have the ability to respond. You lose your job. You have the ability to respond. Something you lose your wallet. After you get done saying every curse word available, you have the ability to respond to it. Business deal goes sideways. You have the ability to respond, you know, with your beautiful fiance, she has the ability to respond to anything she has in her business, you know, the mm-hmm. show business, right? And as for you as well. So that's the big lesson out of the first chapter of the book, you know, and then he meets King Solomon for wisdom and always getting wisdom. And Anne Frank, if anyone knows any kind of Holocaust story, what Anne Frank went to. And if you read the diary of Anne Frank, she's happy throughout the whole thing. Man. Mm, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you had Abraham Lincoln, who he met, who about decision making and also Joshua Chamberlain, who's somebody not really many people know about, but he's the one that held the flank in the Gettysburg, you know, Battle of Gettysburg to help the North win and strategic mindset is another person he met. But this guy just goes through different periods of time and meets with them. And each person was like, I've been waiting for you. Like Harry Truman's like, yeah, someone said that you're going to be coming. I'm here to give you this. And he gives them like a little scroll with an awesome lesson. And it's something that it's, and Andy is a great guy, real Southern guy. He's actually a Christian comedian, funny mm-hmm. guy. But, you know, it's just that book really shifted how everyone says pivot now. I, I, I go back to the old school with shift, you know, or we call it, <laughs> yeah. we can call it shivet. You know, if you like, I was able to shift my mindset into one more of prosperity, but prosperity that starts with service. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what that book really drew out of me. Yeah, no, it is definitely funny and humorous how many times people use the P word pivot in 2020 and 2021. But <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like shift back in the tens. You yes, know? exactly. Like, yeah, we're going to shift this, you know, so yes. I, I, I get it. You just. You know, everything evolves and it might evolve in a bad way. You know, you you look at like in our world right now with interest rates or whatnot, you know, mm-hmm. it's evolving. You know, we're evolving. We have to adapt. We have to shift or pivot through everything. And people that will say, oh, I'm dead in the water because of this. No, you're not, man. You just have to. It's a pattern of thinking. You're wired so much neurologically in your brain to think a certain way, man. No, dude, just. Stop that wiring and say, listen, man, start laterally thinking, see what options are to get you through any situation. That's what I do. It's one of my strengths with coaching is I don't consult, I coach. So 90% of my coaching with my clients, which I'm blessed to have fantastic, high paying, beautiful clients is through questions. And they feel a lot better when they come up with their own answer and they'll implement it a lot faster than Mm -hmm. me trying to tell them what I, I would do. Everything evolves. Yeah. And going back to responsibility, you know, as someone who's always happy to give, happy to see others win, has there been any time when people have like betrayed you or backstabbed you or stolen from you? And I'm curious if that's happened, how you handled it and share more about that. What time is it? (laughs) (laughs) You know, as as you go and grow your business, because by the time you're 50, you're going to be light years ahead of where I am when I'm 50, because you're Mm -hmm. starting where you're at. It's going to happen 
almost on a daily, I, I don't go looking for it, but you're like, wait a minute, that person said that they would do this. And, and you know, the four agreements, a great book, right? You know, mm-hmm. Ruiz says, you know, the number one is be impeccable with your word, right? Mm-hmm. Like what you say you're going to do, do it. If not, tell the person you're not going to. And it hurts, but the older I get and the more experience I've, I have, I don't really care anymore. You know, I make two New Year's resolutions every year. One is to make someone smile every day, right? Aww. Boom, mm-hmm. I win. Right. You yeah. just smile. Two is that unless I've hurt you, disrespected you in any way, shape or form, I give zero. You know, what's what you think about me? I don't hmm. care. I just hmm. don't. So when people hurt me or they disrespect me, then I just kind of laugh it off. As long as you've not touched me physically or my woman physically or my family physically or tried to t- physically take my money or something like that, then I have no problem with you. You can say what you want. You lay your hands on me. I'm just going to defend myself and stuff. Away. I, that's my way. But it happens a lot, Andrew. And you're, and again, I'm not trying to coach you or talk. No, to you're like good. Younger. Yeah. It's going to happen to you a lot yeah. more, especially, again, like I said, the theory of relativity when it comes to success and money, everyone becomes your relative. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Oh, I remember Andrew. Yeah, dude. Hey, buddy. How are you? And you're like, <laughs> hey, nice to see you again from 19 years ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the flip side of that, Andrew, is that, it's a blessing to be in that position. You know, it's a blessing to be able to carry those responsibilities with you. And as you work your way up with your corporate ladder, you're going to be laid those responsibilities on. Right. So it's kind of a cool situation that you have it. So it's going to happen. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I like what you said, just, you know, laugh it off, be grateful. You quote unquote had money to lose in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, and that reminds me, I read a great book this year. I forget the author, but uh, you know the, the famous line, people think that P.T. Barnum said there's a sucker born every minute, yeah. but he actually has never been credited with actually saying those words. Right. And so this book author wrote, uh, there's a customer born every minute, it talks about how P.T. Barnum built his business. And actually a lot of the way, kind of like you, you know, he was at the top of the line. He had this great real estate deal going and then he lost everything. Great story, and, right? And yeah. people said, well, can you speak about how to make money? He's like, what are you talking about? I just lost it all. They're like, but you learned how to make all that money in the first place, which is why you could still talk about how to make money. <laughs> right. Right. That's uh, true. It's true. You, so, just, you, it, you get experiences, man. And, yeah. and that's all success is, is just a combination of experiences that you have. And I'm not talking success monetarily. I'm talking success in anything. You don't become successful without gathering as many experiences as you can. So that's why, like, have you ever seen the movie Yes Man with Jim Carrey? Oh, yes. One of the I love best that. movies, mm-hmm. right? It's, I mean, mm-hmm. it's so far-fetched, but mm-hmm. the, the message behind it is say yes, man. Mm-hmm. Have experiences, you know, it just because, you know, excuses, they're just excuses for not wanting to experience more. You know, that that's where it is. And then people wake up and they're 60 and go, man, I wish I wish Dude, you could have you could have yeah. all day. We, yeah, you seriously. know, I fought for this country. So you give you opportunities to do what the hell you want. Period. Yeah. You know, you're just making excuses, you know. So, I mean, winners make adjustments, mediocre people. I don't say losers. Mediocre people make excuses. And that's mm-hmm. just the way life is. One, uh, the, the best quote is by Jim Rohn. He says, you can have excuses or you can have results, but you can't have both. <laughs> you know, both, man. Yeah. You know, you don't, and he also said, I mean, Rohn is a great guy. You know, he's part of the book I'm ready to regurgitate. It's like, you don't wish for calmer waters. You wish for a better sail. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You wish to have the knowledge to build a better sail to sail those waters. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where I really look to is I look to challenge myself on a daily basis. I mean, I'm up at, 440 every morning and I'm on the jujitsu map at six with guys that are 25, 30 years old and learning and being humbled. I start my day getting humbled all day long because I've been wrestling since I was three, but these kids are so advanced at their age, just like you and your Mm -hmm. age right now are more advanced than I was because of what you have access to. Right. Mm -hmm. So I get humbled every morning. That's how I start my day is being humbled. And I love that because it just opens up to really listening to what's out there and then being able to serve people in a better way. Yeah. And I love hearing how much knowledge that you're full of. Tell us more about how you got into coaching, what that's like. How did that journey come about? (laughs) Well, the coaching was really would be at 
events where people need to be leveled up. You know, they would they would come to me and they'd always see like I'm always shaking hands. I'm a Midwesterner, so I give mm-hmm. hugs. When I met you, I'm like, "What's up?" You know, yeah, yeah. And like, What's going on, Andrew? This is awesome to see the flesh and and see mm-hmm. you. And you know, I kind of I don't work rooms. What I do is I look for I'm like a lion stalking like somebody that like you know a lion stalks that gazelle that's wounded. Right. But I'm not there to eat you. I'm there to help. Allegedly. Right. Right. I'm there to help you and to see where I can. And I would just naturally do that. Mm. And this guy's like, listen, man, do you get paid to do this? And this was seven years ago. And I'm like, Mm. do what? You know, I'm like, he's like to really help people out. And I'm like, I don't. And he's somebody that I respect immensely. When I first met him, he thought I knew who he was and come to find out he's a big player in the Detroit area, huge player. Wow. Sam Miseraka is his name. And, and it's like, no. And he's like, well, you should really look into it. I'm like, Oh, do I need to get certified? So I went to all these schools and stuff like that to get certified. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they're a waste of time. They're great for practice, but they don't really show you real world experience, but working with people in the real estate business for so long, you know, I'm working with like you and your fiance and like you're buying your first house together. You know, mm-hmm. that's arguably your biggest investment to that point in your life. So I had to coach you through that. And I've been yeah. doing that since 1997. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So I'm able to do it. So it was inherently built to me. And then through Sam, he would introduce me to high C-suite people. And, and I would talk to them and you just have conversations. So I'd bring them on and which has led to, you know, my podcast, which led to meeting people with that wanted to be more people wanted to be coached and interviewing other coaches so I could refer the business to them. But the, the, the coaching, I guess was always kind of bred in me, even through the abandonment years. It was like, I had to coach myself out of mental situations and mm-hmm. do it. But I, you know, again, I was doing it from a real selfish, ambitious standpoint then, but I was still coaching, you know, in myself, but now, you know, I'm blessed to be able to sit down with people that, really need it. And basically I love to see it. I'm kind of a, it's funny your name of your podcast is rapid results because that's what kind of coach I am. I, I don't coach people for more than four to six weeks. They come to me, they get leveled up and they move on. Other mm-hmm. coaches send them to me to get leveled up, move on. Cause I'm not a kid glove coach. I'm like, you come to me, you're going to work. Yeah. This is what mm-hmm. we're doing. And you're, I'm going to push you until your breaking point, And then we're going to build you back up. And that's how yeah. I coach. I'm not the right horse for every course. Trust me. I'm not going to take on somebody that's going to be meek and cry. I have a great coach for you. For that. <laughs> you know, but really, you know, you, you, really, really, have you really have a oh, coach. You refer people to for that. I have coaches that I refer to for everything. Wow. You know, that's one thing <laughs> Interesting. That, that's most important is to build your mental Rolodex with your competition mm-hmm. to build your mental Rolodex with your alliances. You know, I, mm-hmm. When people come to me, I want to have an answer for them and I will have an answer for them. And that's just, you know, through building relationships. That's that's what I do. You know, I refer out since 2019. I've referred out over six hundred thousand dollars in coaching business that I could have took on. But I'm like, I would be doing a disservice. I'm not going to give you the kind of coach something like that. That's crazy. Oh, I have like. They would have paid you that amount. Is that what you mean? Well, what happens is I interview people on my show. I've I've interviewed over 300 coaches, right? Mm -hmm. And and when you're through my show, I send you a coaching questionnaire. And then, you know, you fill it out. And then my team, if someone, I run a ton of marketing for coaching to bring people into the Time to Shine Today coaching family. And so I run a a lot of marketing. And so I get coaching leads pretty much daily. And then my team goes through and says, this lead, they fill out like a, a questionnaire and they say, this person would be great for Todd Cohn, someone that I interviewed. And I put mm-hmm. him with Todd and Todd and I have an affiliate agreement that if I send him somebody, he pays us a portion of yeah. the referral. So I don't like if you look at my on my media page, here, like I don't want to have anyone to feel like they have no one, period. Mm, yeah. So if you no matter what you want to kill yourself, I have the best suicide counselors in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, that I can put you with today. Right now, they won't charge you a thing. And then they have therapists that, hey, once you get off that ledge, we're going to put you with a therapist that's going to really help you move forward. We're going to fit your budget. So, mm-hmm. me, I'm blessed to uh, coach, again, C suite professional athletes, 
you know, I have a client right now that's been on the cover of People Magazine 12 times. So 12 like, times. Yeah, wow. I can't, can't say, I'll say her. I can't say her name, yeah. but it's until our coaching session is done. But again, it's just, you come from a place of service and a place of giving where they know you're genuine. It's the easiest, best profession that you could ever be in, you know, yeah. and everybody needs it. I got five coaches myself. I pay a lot of money a month for coaching. Yeah. What, what are the five coaches you currently have? Um, you know, I have a speaking coach, you know, for, you know, I'm on stage a lot. You know, I have a speaking coach. I have my own life coach. I have my own therapist. Luckily, my therapists don't really pay for it. They're at the VA with mental hygiene. I have a mm-hmm. nutrition coach. I have a jiu-jitsu coach, you know, so mm-hmm. I have coaches on everything. And a coach, you know, without a coach is not a coach. Like every coach needs a coach. Period. Totally. Yeah, you know, and like and to know the coaching lineage too. you know, where'd you learn? Where'd you come from? And stuff like that. There's no better feeling than really working with somebody and just seeing them rather virtually or in person and seeing that light bulb go off and go, boom, I figured it out because I coach by asking. I don't ever consult. Like if I was coaching you, I'm not saying this is how I would do it, Andrew. That's consulting. I coach by asking very, very powerful questions, no judgment in the question. So I remove why out of any of my coaching questions, like, why did you do this? Or why is this? No, that's judgmental. You know, you get them there and you see that light bulb go off. And then my want is to be fired by them within them because they don't need me anymore. You know, that's, that's my platform. Now other coaches, they're great for tune ups and you know stuff like that. But my rapid fire kind of coaching to steal a little bit of your company's name, you know, my, yeah. my, my coaching, you know, gets me a buttload of referrals from mm. people because, you know, you coach them, you're like, dude, this guy got me, you know, here. And I'm in, I don't want to sound bad or mean or whatnot, but I'm not cheap. Yeah. You know? So mm-hmm. it's, you know, we get it and we're going to get it done. We're going to get those, those results rapidly. <laughs> yes. No, <laughs> you know that's what we're here for. So, but no, that's it. Does the love in the best part about it is that I get to wear a different hat every day, meaning not everybody has a different thumbprint, just like their personalities, bro. Yep. And, and, and uh, if you don't mind sharing, what are some of the things you're most proud of taking your clients from A to B and like either personally or professionally? And what are some of your most bragging uh, client success stories, essentially, with people uh, working with you? You know, one was giving a husband and wife their intimate life back, which mm. it was, you know, there was an eight year period where they weren't. And wow. Got wow. them to the point where, you know, I just coached one of them. I'm not going to say which one of the sex that I coached, but I coached mm-hmm. them and I had the best gift sent to me in the mail, you know, from them for giving them that life back, you know, and that's, it's, it doesn't sound like much, but when you make a vow to God or whoever your creator is, that that's the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with and you stay true to them, but you don't have intimacy, that it's just not going to work. You know, mm-hmm. so like that's cool. It sounds like a weird thing, you know. Now I've had clients that took our sessions and made millions of dollars, you know, with it and took ideas wow. that they came up with. Yeah, but you encouraged them with yeah. I didn't, you know, come up with them. You know, I just yeah. I am a question asker, man. That's why as an interviewee, I kind of suck, I think. You know, I mean, like <laughs> I look at it, but when I interview people, people are like, bro, I've never been asked that. And that is, boom, it's a win for me. And it's not because, oh, I got you. I asked you something. No, it's because I asked and asked and asked and asked until you got it. That's the best part. It's so rewarding. Another one, one of my clients, you know, hit 312 in the major leagues last year. You know, Whoa, that is very good. So yeah, that was that was a good one. I do a lot of pro bono work with veterans transitioning into mm-hmm. civilian life. I'm hooked into the VA, don't charge a dime, but I have, you know, power sessions with them and say, listen, man, life punched you in the mouth in Iraq. Believe it or not, it's going to be worse here because we use the structure there. Mm -hmm. And and the thing is, I can consult with them because I've walked their path. I can consult with real estate agents if I coach them because I've walked their path. I might put on my consulting, but like I do a lot of pro bono work with my fellow vets to get their life started 
when they come back because, you know, they're used to so much structure. And now, you know, you go out into the civilian world and you're trying to get jobs and you're just like, oh, where's the structure? And the, it, jobs don't have structure anymore. You know, yeah. like they did when I was younger. There's a lot of structure. They don't have them anymore. So, you know, those are bragging on them and, and what I can do on the free work I do. It, it actually makes me feel better, you know? So I, that, yeah. that is interesting about um, you do free work, but of course you're very high premium coach to work with. Mm -hmm. I'm curious because obviously, you know, these are the questions that the coaching industry deals with all the time. Like, how do you go about charging the same price to an A-list celebrity or professional player versus a mom who wants to work with you and might have to put a mortgage on her house just to work with you? How do you handle those two scenarios essentially? <laughs> it's funny to ask that because I had a somebody who was a like one of the co-founders of a huge company that we'd know, you know, got went through rehab, but not rehab for drugs and alcohol, but went through rehab for uh overworking. Like kind of wow. Interesting. And they came to me to, to get them leveled up and get them back you know, on the course. And I told him what I charged. And and he's like, are you any good? You know? And I was like, what? What are you, what are you talking <laughs> about? He goes, dude, I, I, if I'm going to pay that, you know, like. It's pocket change. But basically. Yeah. yeah. Basically, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 4000 a month is what I told mm -hmm. him. He's like, eh. mm -hmm. that helped me flip a switch. He actually coached me with that and put mm -hmm. me on, made me level up my game and said, listen, I'm going to charge someone 10 large a month. Right. Mm -hmm. Then I've got to really level up the game. But I have that. And so now having going into discovery sessions with possible clients, I don't have commission breath anymore. I call it, you know, like they're worried about, you know, saying I would just say it. Well, this is what it is, you know, with the mother that needs to take out the mortgage. I'm probably where I'm at now. I'm not the right coach for her, but we don't want to have anyone to feel like they have no one. I have a freaking stable of coaches that can mm -hmm. help her mm -hmm. and will help her. Now, if she's like, Fergie, I want you. All right, let's have a two-hour conversation on the house, me and you. Let's wow. But wow. if you start crying and you're freaking hang up on our Zoom, you're never going to hear from me again. Are we straight? That's how I say mm -hmm. it. And mm -hmm. she's like, oh, cry. What are you talking about? Because I'm going to dig, dude. I mm -hmm. dig. I coach with intensity. And again, I'm not the right guy for everybody, right? You know, I've made people cry and get off the Zoom calls with me. It's and it's not because I'm making them do it. I'm I care so effing much about where they're at, and I've walked a path similar to theirs that I want you to break through. Mm -hmm. I have to have you break through. This is the way I know how. If my flavor doesn't work, I have somebody that does. And we yeah. will make sure that you're taken care of. And I have probably people that I started double digits, 10 or 11 of them that I've referred to other people. And I am better friends with them now than I am with the ones I've actually coached because I care enough to say, Hey, I'm not the right horse for the course, but Hey, Andrew, you know what? It's like, he's doesn't want to charge as much as me or he doesn't <laughs> or, or yeah. Andrew's a lot more laid back. And he's going to ask things like a little bit more, hey, you know, then, okay, what, you know, like I might ask a question that might say, you know, why, like, where were you going with your intention in that situation? You know, yeah. they'll be like, uh, what intention? Uh, I'm like, you told me three questions ago that you had your intention set. Where were you going? And then they, they won't like it, you know, and that's. Mm -hmm a victory for me because now we're making progress. Now, if they can keep going through that, like, dude, I see you. What day are you now on your workouts, bro? 106 or 106 right. or 107 right now. Yes. So it was freaking hard on like 12 or 14, right? Yes, exactly. You're still here. Mm -hmm. So if you can get past those mm -hmm. going to go place, I'm going to get you places. I promise you, you're going yeah. to get what you need and want. Life doesn't give you what you need, right? It gives you what you deserve. So you got to do the work, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and again, that's a regurgitation from Jim Rohn. You yeah. know, that's again, it's just, you know, it's funny. I'm writing, you know, what my second book and the name of it's regurgitation. You know, Tony, <laughs> Tony Robbins regurgitates Jim Rohn, right? Jim yeah. Rohn yeah. regurgitates Earl Nightingale. It's all the way yeah. back to Seneca, Aristotle. Oh, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Marcus Aurelius. So everybody's a regurgitation. You just whatever spin you want to put on. 
Yeah. So yeah, that's where it's at with coaching for me. It's a passion and I absolutely love it. And it's a career that I'll never get sick of ever, mm. ever. No way, man. Just because I like to push people. So being 50 years old, I mean, it seems like it's pretty cool that you, you've you made it. You, it sounds like, sounds like you still have a lot of real estate. Obviously, you get featured in the radio. You have your own coaching business as well. I'm curious, I guess the overall question about that is tell us more about what do you wish you had done to get here faster? Because it feels like you're, you're on top of the world at the moment. You know, I, I say this to myself every morning, do it for the intention, not the attention. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would have gotten there way faster if I did things intentional mm-hmm. and did it to help others. Instead, I was doing it for the attention of look at me, you know, and it's funny. Look at me. Okay. You go back and you pull up Instagram feeds from 2010, all those people leaning against Lamborghinis and stuff. Nothing against them. I'm not judging them. That's awesome. Yeah. That they're doing that. But how many of them are still around and how many of them? There's a study that's been done of looking at all those influencers and seeing them. Now they're working day jobs. They're working at bowling alleys. They're working at this. They're working at that. They found success. But like myself, because I was raised with a lack mindset, my dad worked on the line at General Motors. You know, they didn't have the mindset to make the money and keep. They had the mindset to make the money because it just takes drive to get that. But to keep it. That's a whole nother story, brother. That's what I yeah. tell people. I'm like, you. that's what they were trying to tell me. You know, like, <laughs> listen, hold on to your yeah. money. Do right by it. And I didn't. And guess what? Like Gordon Gecko said in Wall Street, you know, money is like a jealous girlfriend, man. Keep an eye on her. She's going to bail. Right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's true. And not anything with me is about money. I, I enjoy it. But it's just a vehicle, dude. So I can go to Orlando in May and see you. You know, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and have a great time. It's like you, you, you're not flashy. You know, Andrew, like I see you, you know, you're freaking Andrew, man. You're awesome. But going to freaking Hawaii, you're mm-hmm. going to England. Yeah. You know, because you make it so you can enjoy experiences. That's mm-hmm. the only reason why it's what I tell clients. That's why, you know, I tell myself. That's what I tell my family. It's like now I do it just for experiences. Yeah. You know, and I get to do what I love every single day. Well, and uh, oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, please. I was to say, um, just speaking of watching your money, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it is kind of funny. Like, you know, I think we've officially hit two quarters in a row of GDP loss. And then but they're trying to say there's no recession, but there probably is going to be a recession. So the question is, how can people protect their money better and manage it better? Because it is interesting, like you said, like, you know, anyone can make money. But it's just like what Jim Rohn says, too. You know, if you take all the money in the world, distribute it evenly, it's still going to end up (laughs) in the same hands in the same way because people know how to manage money. So how can people manage their money better and watch over it better is the question. It's going to throw, you know, cliches like pay yourself 10 percent off the top, no matter what. If you make 200 bucks a week, take 20 bucks and put it somewhere Mm -hmm. where it's going to grow. Right. Yeah. And there's so many like real estate investment, like things being put together right now where people are buying property. You can put money into it. Like real estate yeah. is the pretty safe vehicle. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, nothing is proof like recession proof or, you know, crash proof. There's not. But you know, just be smart with it. Educate yourself on it. Read the purple books. You know, I, I tell people, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's books, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, read that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And educate yourself on that. And most of all, do what you love and surround yourself with people that have did it. And then get your asking gear. Ask, ask, ask from the people that have did it what they've done to to watch their money, to keep an eye on it, to grow it, to donate it, you know, whatever. And don't live like I did with a lack mindset, like, oh, I have to do this and do this and do this. You know, if you do that, you're going to lose it anyways, because your mindset yeah. is not there, you know, to have money. And that's the big, I think that is the biggest culprit, you know, Andrew, is that you have to have the mindset of having, that's why you see these kids that come from old money. They don't have a care about it. You know, I mean, granted, <laughs> yeah. But their fathers and grandfathers and great grandfathers 
they worked and mm-hmm. they worked and they built it and they've instilled that mindset and it just, you know, goes through the bloodline, you know, mm-hmm. but those people that worked for it, they were probably at a lack mindset at one time yeah. and then built it up. Yeah, no, yeah, that is interesting. I don't know if you know J.B. Crumb the third at all, but uh, he says being successful is 90% mindset and 10% tactics. Your thoughts on that, whether you agree or not? A hundred percent agree. Wow. Everything, everything is mindset because no matter what industry you're in, there's only certain things, unless you're Elon, right? Unless you're yeah. Bill, yeah. you know, unless you're Jeff, those guys are revolutionaries. Okay. Those people like if let's just think about it, man, if you've read the book, Atlas Shrugged, if not pick it up, oh, and read I still, it. you still need to. Yeah. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's by on Rand. And it's like, just picture this, man. Like, let's say if Steve Jobs is still alive, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, they just go on strike, right? They just quit. Where's mm-hmm. the world, dude? Oh, <laughs> Atlas has a- Atlas has the world on his shoulders. He, that's why it's called Atlas Shrugged. But yeah. on, on Rand, she wrote the headlines for what's going on right now today with regards to, again, I'm, I don't go too political, but the book is big government is taking over and saying businesses can have this and this, and then they just basically quit. It's yeah. Like, I'm done. Have it. Yeah. You know? And that's where the people's mindset is today of, unfortunately, there's a lot of taking and not enough giving. There's a mm-hmm. lot of hate and nowhere near enough love. You yeah, know, you have to come from a place of love. I legitly come from a place of love. And that's something that was learned as my life progressed. Mm. You know, that's where I really think that, you know, I think I totally deviated from your question. But, you know, it's just like we're kind of I, I just get really passionate about the people that are going to be taking care of me in the future, dude. No, well, and this is a, a great topic, too, because, you know, I, I agree that it's unfortunate that, you know, and I hope it's not too political for me to say, yeah. it seems like the media does like to separate black and white, Democrat and Republican, right. medicine versus non-medicine, abortion versus pro-rights or pro-life kind of thing. Yeah. Like the, the media, the messages all the time are separate, separate, separate. And there is a funny cartoon <laughs> of uh, a bunch of guys with pitchforks and a bunch of guys with logs on fire, essentially. Right, right. Um, and like they're rebelling in front of the king. And the king goes, what are we going to do? And his servant goes, it's okay, king. Just tell the pitchfork people that the lighter people hate their pitchforks. So they'll fight each other instead. <laughs> Brother, uh, yeah, that's how they got slavery. It never worked. Slavery never worked. But that's how the <laughs> assholes got slavery to work. Yeah. Um, there's a gentleman named Willie Lynch. His, mm-hmm. It was called the Lynch Mob. That's where he got his name. The Lynch oh, Mob guy's name from Willie Lynch. And Willie Lynch, like people were like, he wrote the book on, you know, how 10 people can control 300. And he said he would go to a dark skinned person, a real, real dark skinned one and say, African-American and say, Hey, that light skinned one over there called you the N word. And then he'd go to a light skinned one. See that really dark skinned one over there. He called you the N word and they'd have mm-hmm. them fighting amongst themselves so much that 10 people can control. Mm-hmm. Does that sound mm-hmm. familiar? What's happening? Yeah. Media only consists of how many people, bro. Yeah. Not that many. There's not mm-hmm. that many people in the media, my friend. So that's yeah. all that's happening. So my remedy to it is I don't watch it. I don't mm-hmm. absorb it. I block it, you know, in, in both sides of the aisle, bro. I block the yeah. side that I agree with and the <laughs> other side. Interesting. Okay? And mm-hmm. I block them all from IG, YouTube, anything that I can block, Facebook, I block it. Like I'm full mm-hmm. of like, puppy stories and your stories and yeah. you know of, of you like hey man 100 day that's freaking awesome dude i'm celebrating yeah. people's victories because i want to come from a place of love you know mm-hmm. and if there's laws and i'm going to follow them they say put a mask on put a mask on. i'm not the guy that's like oh uh, i have my own opinions on it but is my opinion going to change a thing absolutely not mm-hmm. it's not yeah. just like you know unfortunately yours probably won't either our platforms aren't there, but we can believe what we want to believe. And that's why, you know, this, this country still is the greatest country in the world. To, in my opinion, 
I used to tell people, hey, go hang out in Somalia for a day. Yeah, so seriously. You come back here. <laughs> but there's a certain female basketball player that is that wouldn't stand for our anthem that is in mm-hmm. Russian jail right now. Mm-hmm. Ask her if she wanted, really wants to come back. You know, yeah. we are the greatest country in the world. And mm-hmm. I will stand by that. And if you if people knock me for it, that's their opinion. And those are the people that I really wouldn't align with anyways. You know, I'm not going to not have a drink with them or anything like that. You know, I'm just I just wouldn't align with them to grow a business or, you know, to rely on. That's all. You know, well, I think that's that's the other thing too. people forget, too, is there's always common ground somewhere. I mean, I yes. use the example of, uh, you know, when I was in high school, we had a research like corrupt companies and like I was researching yeah. how bad Coca-Cola treated its staff and how <laughs> <laughs> things that they do. But then it's like. But a, a company or an organization came to Coca-Cola and to help them with the prison system. And Coca-Cola said, yeah, so like Coca-Cola helped contribute to a prison system to like help keep less people out of prison or have better uh, living situations there, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and so that's what I've discovered, too, is just like just because you think different politically or medically, mm-hmm. um, there's a good chance you have common ground somewhere. And I think people forget about that and just um and, and so I'm curious, yeah, in your experience, you know, you come from some, so much love and so much happiness and joy and want to see others succeed. Um, what else has worked for you as far as helping people, not helping people turn off their animal, emotional side of their brain, where if they hear an opposing view, they go, ah, how do you help mend those gaps and remind people that we're our human? There's many assets of us and we don't have to be defined by one ideology, essentially. Yeah, you need to have your own opinions on stuff. But I can ask my clients, like, what about that really fires you up? Mm -hmm. You know, and 95%, maybe even higher, it goes to their ego and it goes to their beliefs, right? So, and it goes to that and, and their beliefs are so ingrained that, there it, it attacks their ego. And so, mm. you know, a question would be like, what does your ego mean to you? Mm-hmm. You know, and then we start digging and digging and digging. And then they figure out, wow, the shit, the, the stuff, excuse me, the stuff doesn't matter. They're really in the big picture. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, and then that's how I will coach somebody through it. That's how I genuinely feel that, because of what I've saw in my life and what I've been through, whether military time or just in my time, it's like, bro, it could be so much worse than it is right now. And yeah. it's because of what people did for our country or our world for that matter. So if you can get over and, and Andrew, I struggle with it too. Okay? Really? I have a interesting knit group of friends that I will have discussions with and sometimes they got to talk me off my soapbox because I'll start, rah, 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 you know, and then they'll be like, "Fur, remember? I'm like, hey. <laughs> you know, so that's yeah. one thing is surround yourself with people that you want to be like or, mm-hmm. you know, in, in your tribe. You know, like they say the cliche, your, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe, right? The people yeah. that you vibe with. And then also have discussions with people from opposing views. It's like my jujitsu partner, Alfonso is one side of the aisle hard and I'm the other side, you know, and mm-hmm. he's the one person that I can sit and have breakfast with after beating the absolute crap out of each other for an hour <laughs> and, and talk <laughs> about things and disagree and still give each other a hug and say, I love you, brother. Wow. You know what I'm saying wow. is just because mm-hmm. everything comes from love. And if you can keep the ego, including my own, okay, it's like I am full of it. I just don't show it. You know, that's I just think that the world would progress a little bit better, but I'm going to do my part, you know, and that's what I want to do. I have no ambitions to have a name on a library or on a street or anything like that. You know, I want to plant trees that I'll never sit in the shade of, bro. That's what I want to do, man. I just want to keep doing that and and just getting people to do it scared, man, to to get out there and just have fun in life. Yes. No. And uh you know, maybe maybe we all need to do more jujitsu classes. So at least if there is some frustration, we can take it out physically and mentally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's, it's such a humbling sport. Yeah, that it, it's fun, and and that's why I enjoy my time on the mats. You know, I'm done by seven a.m. I have my whole day ahead of me. 
Yeah. You know? But you're right. I mean, find an outlet. I mean, that's a great segue is to find an outlet where you can let out the physiological part. Mm. Right. Cause I'm telling you what, you're a hundred some days in bro. Yeah. And like mm. you finding out that man, like you're probably a little less anxious right now. You're a little less worried about stuff just because you let out physiologically. It changes the neural pathways in your brain for the logical and the psychological it changes things. You're like, oh, that that's not that hard, dude. Just see what I did in exercise or day 56 and look at me yeah. now. You mm-hmm. know, and that's another thing, man. Look at where you've been. Like the, a lot of people will have a foot in the past, a foot in the future and piss all over the present, right? Yeah. But because they, they live in the past, but learn from the past. Like you mm-hmm. can look back at exercise 72 and be like, okay, I remember that feeling. <laughs> And now you're leveled up and, you know, next thing you know, you're at 350, but learn from the past. Don't live there. I mean, that's why, you know, analogy I use my coaching clients and this is not reinventing the wheel. A lot of people use it, but the rearview mirror is small for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's where you can check and see what you pass by. You're not going to yeah. sit there and drive like this because you'll crash. You have yeah. this huge dashboard in front of you. That's your future, right? But you can't live there either. You better watch your speedometer. Maybe make sure all of your stuff in that car is working, or you will crash. Live in the present, dude. Yeah, what you can. You know. Yeah. Uh, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, and then uh, yeah, my fiance is watching the. They call it the present, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Boom, <laughs> Kung Fu Panda. I like it. It's called the present. It's a gift. <laughs> it, is. it is, dude. Because yeah. You know, you, you, you plan to live to 100 plus, mm-hmm. but live every day plan. like it's kind of your last, man. You know, like, yeah, make sure that you're helping somebody smile. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I have I eat what's called a gratitude journal every morning, man. And mm-hmm. so it, it's built where the first line is my intention for the day. Today was rock my podcast interviews. Enjoy my time with Andrew Weiss. Mm-hmm. Um, have an awesome trip to Austin. And get some good rest to rock the station. Well, that was my intention for the day. The middle line is my worries. I hmm. feel a little sore. I got to get on a plane and be cramped. Put it out there. What's bothering you, man? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But then underneath, I list 14 things I'm grateful for that day. 14? Why 14? What was that my come from? It's my number. So the first line is always God. You know, God's my creator. That's who I go to. You can go to your creator, whatever. Yeah. The second line is my woman. Third line is my dog. Fourth line is my cats. And then so I got <laughs> 10, nice, 10 yeah. things underneath mm-hmm. that that I'm grateful for. And you'll be in that log, right? Mm-hmm. You'll be in my gratitude log or my gratitude sandwich. Mm-hmm. And the 15th thing, I write a love letter to myself. Scott, you look amazing. You feel amazing. Today, you're going to just crush it on Andrew's podcast. You're going to have fun. You're going to build your relationship even deeper. I love you. And I'd say I love you at the end of one. So you have your top thing with intentions, your middle things with your worries, and then things you're grateful for. It's a sandwich. It squishes out the worries, bro. Get it out there so you know what you're attacking. My clients are mandatory. They need a gratitude sandwich five days a week, Monday to Friday. It's like a workout. You get Saturdays and Sundays off. Get your rest days. Mm -hmm. But that's my clients. The time that they're with me, I want to see their gratitude sandwich every morning. You know, and that's... You have to have it. That brings up another point, actually. Obviously, you're an expert coach and you're great at coaching yourself. And, and that's what I was a life coach school with Brooke Castillo. I don't know if you've heard of her podcast. Her. She, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so she talks about the importance of coaching yourself. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious, how do you know what to coach yourself on versus what you allow yourself to be coached on by one of your five coaches? How, how do you mm-hmm. handle that? I have like a mental inbox. And that's a great question, bro. And the things that stay in the inbox because I don't freaking want to do them are the ones that need coaching on. Right. Mm. So I get things that come into me and I'm like, eh, let's do this easier <laughs> thing. Thing I wrote a thing. I, it might be harder than that, but I enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Then I have coaches for that. Like speaking, I rock a stage. Like, it's fun, man. Like, I have, I'm the known as the rebounder guy, the trampoline guy. Like, I start, the stagehand brings a trampoline out there. The first two minutes of my speech is me rebounding and telling them the benefits of rebounding. Because yeah. 
you know, I'm telling them, listen, you're itch off the rebounder. You're at zero gravity. And I'm doing this while rebounding, right? That's cool. And mm-hmm. then when you hit the rebounder, you're four times gravity. So you go zero gravity, four times gravity. You're flushing out your lymph system. That Your lymph system's a one-way valve. The only way you can get it out is if you, you, you have movement. And so I'm mm-hmm. doing that for the first two minutes. And so if you're watching me on stage, Andrew, what is your head doing that during that time? Nodding. <laughs> you're affirming everything I'm going to talk about after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it, but I didn't learn any of that without getting the right coach. Mm-hmm. You know, George Hendricks mm-hmm. is my guy, man. He's like, yeah. and he coached me during COVID. He'd be like, set up your camera. Let's do this. You know? Um, wow. You know, so that's like, I know what my strengths are. Uh, my strength is like my morning routine, my energy, you know, my communication. Um, now listening has, <clears throat> has become a really good strength. And also question asking is a ver- really good strength. Weaknesses would be um, saying um a lot, like the way I, the speaking, you know, the mm-hmm. way I um, communicate. So I, I have coaches for that. Uh, the, I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. You're good. Now I'm going to do it every other word. <laughs> Dang it, Scott. <laughs> but I'll have a coach, you know, my life coach. You know, I cheated a lot in my relationships in the past. And I have a woman now that I will never do it with, you know. Yeah. But I'm human. I'm primal. And it's great to have a coach for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm transparent, dude. You know, I've never messed anybody over in business. But... I have a fear of other people messing me over in business again. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I, you know, coach for that. So it's in my inbox in when we die, our inbox won't be empty. You know what I'm saying? So everybody wants to do too much all the time. So I leave in there what I need help on. And then I get help as I need it. If you will, if that makes sense. And, and how do you not let your ego get in the way? Like, oh, I, I just got toughen up. I got to figure it out eventually. Is, is it because you, you have weekly calls with these coaches no matter what? Or, yeah, how do you prevent your ego from getting in the way of whether or not you can solve something, essentially? I never had an answer to that until I dug deep. That's a great question. One, someone gave the acronym. Ego means edging got out. And I started seeing things through other people's eyes. Mm. And seeing how they are seeing me. And mm. then the people that I didn't care for too much, meaning. But then I would turn around and see them through my creator's eyes. My God. You know, if you have a creator, how does your creator see him? They see him with love. They see him as perfect. They see him as something that really helped me lower that ego. And then, again, I, I know I keep bringing up the, bringing up the gentle art, but jujitsu yeah. So humbling. So humbling. No matter what level you're at, it's so humbling. And it's such a fantastic, depleting, yet restoring workout that ego has no room there. So if I'm starting my day where ego has no room, it, it helps me carry through the rest of my day. You know, even if I have, like, I still negotiate large deals in real estate. And even if I have another agent that's just barking at me, you know, sometimes it can flare up. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, it takes a heck of a lot longer to get me there than it did before, brother. I love that. that makes sense, you know? No, it makes makes a lot of sense is, yeah, yeah, seeing yourself through God's eyes where you're loved and you're perfect, but you're also imperfect. And then also, yeah, deciding how you want to see yourself and just like recognizing whose eyes you're, you're seeing yourself through and why. So I, I really like that answer. I know I know it's a tough question. I, I'm, I'm like you. I love asking tough questions. No, and, no, I, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. But just yeah. really starting to see things, see people that you don't really care for through the eyes that God sees them through, not through mm-hmm. their own eyes, but how God sees them. Because if you really, if I want to talk about coming from love, then I've got to practice that. You yes. know, even yeah. if I don't want to, it's like probably on day 38, you're like, dude, forget this workout. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. you did it anyways. Mm-hmm. And look at you, bro. You're Jack now. You're like, stronger. look at that thing, man. Oh, yeah. Although, <laughs> that, that arm thing kind of was like, I saw the video. Oh, I know. The jelly, the, the shark bite. I mean, jellyfish sting. Uh, yeah, so coming the, in hot. Yeah. <laughs> luckily, they had that that stuff because I had one on my leg and somebody literally had to pee on it. 
Oh, that's yep. that got debunked. It's a myth. It, it worked for me, dude. I don't know. Maybe it was no. mental. But maybe it, it, well, it, worked it neutralized it, man. <laughs> okay. I was like, hey, but it got it wrapped on, and I was kicking it up the shore. I was in the Navy at the time. And oh, it was I love not that. fun, dude. Did you love did you have that. it happen off of the paddleboard? No, I was I was swimming in a little boat and a little excursion. Uh, I mean, oh. swimming around a boat and excursion. I was swimming toward the shore, and apparently, I landed right on it. Like you can see each of its tentacles, tentacles going boom, 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 like a whole arm. And I did. Apparently, it's so beautiful. Yeah, it'll kill you, dude. If you don't see it, if I didn't see it, that's what happened. But uh, yeah, this is a awesome way to end things on Scott. Yeah. Thanks for on time. It's been amazing. Thank you for coming on today. The time uh, flew by, Andrew. You're fantastic. Yes. No, this is so much fun. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you, contact you more, be a part of your love, your enthusiasm, what's mm-hmm. the best way they can do that? Yeah. Our direct coaching line is area code 561-440-3830. You could go to time slash coaching or slash podcast. And we'd be happy to um, have you listen in to other coaches we've interviewed that we've made shine. And if there's anyone there that you feel that will help you. We'd be happy to put you in touch with them. Or if you're looking for a very aggressive, fun, motivated coaching style, please give me a call at that number as well. Love it. Love it. Scott Ferguson, everyone. It's been amazing. And we will see you all next week for another episode of Rapid Results. Take care. Humbled and blessed, brother. Love your guts. Cheers. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.